Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to life, liturgy, and the pursuit of holiness. I'm Bryn. And I'm Justin, and we're coming to you from beautiful Austin, Texas. Where each week we're talking about liturgy in everything from daily living to following Christ. This week on Lit, we're going to pick back up uh, and talk about colics, prayers, and thanksgivings, uh, which is a, a yet another big part of our prayer book. Last week, we talked about the Psalms, and, and and I said I invited you to keep that conversation in the back of your mind as you joined us this week. And the reason, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to spoil it for you. The reason I want you to keep that in the back of your mind is the the words uh, that you see in the Psalms and the way the phrases are written. You'll see language that looks very similar to what you see in the prayers and thanksgivings. Uh, by way of of kind of solidifying and and uh, fortifying what we talked about last week, that psalms can be prayerfully recited and in themselves could arguably be uh, can function as prayers when yeah. we're looking for the words to talk to God. And I think that you'll see that as we look at the colics prayers and thanksgivings in the prayer book. So let's dive right in. Let's talk about colics. So. Collects, you know, a lot of people say, every time I'm in a confirmation class, I hear someone say, what are the collects? What, why do we have a collect? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I jokingly say, well, that's the way we collect our thoughts and our prayers and focus ourselves on Sunday morning and our Eucharist. It's one of the very first things we'll read uh, in the liturgy of the word, the first half of the service. Uh, but that's, it's more than that. I mean, it, generally they are recited in a corporate worship. Um, but there are, uh, but they also are prayers in and of themselves. And I think that's where we should dive in, uh, with that little teaser, uh, about prayer. And I believe Bryn, our catechism has something to say about that, uh, that we were going to talk about. It does. So, uh, one of the things that we have, you know, we started talking about early on was just what is prayer. And the catechism says that prayer is responding to God by thought and by deeds with or without words. Um, and in, in that same section of the prayer book, so this is coming from our catechism or our um, uh, teaching on the faith. In that same section, uh, it talks about what is worship. And it says in worship, In corporate worship, we unite ourselves with others to acknowledge the holiness of God, to hear God's word, to offer prayer, and to celebrate the sacraments. And I think the the interesting thing to think about, not to draw too fine a distinction here between prayer and worship, uh, but just that corporate worship is when we pray together. It's when we unite ourselves with other people in acknowledging the holiness of God in prayer and praise. Um, So, you know, we can pray on our own um, and maybe we can worship on our own too, but it's always with the acknowledgement that we're worshiping with and on behalf of the rest of the, the world. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the distinctions you'll see when you read the language in a collect. So the collects are, there's different kinds of collects. There's ones for, the different Sundays of the year. There's ones for the saints days that we, we, we talked about that. We were talking about the lectionary that the saints have their own readings set aside where there's a collect for the saints as well. Uh, and the, but you'll see in the language of a collect, it seems to be geared more towards that larger corporate acknowledging God's holiness, experiencing God's holiness 
and the way that you address God and then the petitions within the prayer itself and within the collect itself have more of those tones um, than, let's say, some of the prayers in the back of the prayer book that are literally under the section prayers and thanksgivings. There is a slightly, and this isn't, again, this is not a universal standard, but you will notice it more so with colics, especially as you read the ones that are set aside for Advent or for Lent. They have a bit of a, almost I'll, I'll say a thematic petition attached to them that you could imagine a body of faithful people in corporate worship saying or hearing together uh, that, that they function in that particular way. Uh, in some ways, getting us focused um, on on where God might be in the midst of our community and our life together. Yeah, well, and drawing our attention together to some kind of um, you know common aspect of our life and what the church wants to point out to us at this time. So, for instance, the the collects that we say for Sunday. Um, they reflect the church calendar. And I know we haven't gotten really to this yet, and this is still a couple of um, episodes away for us where we're going to dive into talking about the church calendar. But the church calendar, in a nutshell, follows seasons that the church wants to take us through. Those seasons are um, seasons that represent the life of Christ and, and that show us something about our own lives as well. And so the collect, what we're saying at the beginning of worship in a Eucharist service is, is directing our attention to, to those kinds of themes that are usually have some kind of seasonal nature to them. The other thing that's interesting um, about the collects and that you can, that you'll notice right away, if you sort of look at all of the collects um, together is that they start out by naming God in some way. So just looking at, you know, opening up the prayer book to uh, the collects that we are praying right now on Sundays in, in fall in 2020, um, the beginning of those, those collects name God in a certain way. So the collect for this this Sunday that we just had, Lord, we pray that your grace may always proceed and follow us. We're talking about a a God that's full of grace. Um, For next week, almighty and everlasting God, um, in Christ, you have revealed your glory among the nations. It says something about, you know, this God who has all the power and uh, is eternal. Um, Those are sort of uh, ways of, of naming God that are, um, you know, that, that aren't just throwaways. They tell us something about the nature of God. If we get a little bit further on, one of my very favorite collects is coming up in a few weeks. It's for proper 28. Um, so it's for the Sunday closest to November 16th. And it says, blessed Lord who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Um, you know, naming that this is the God who, who called, um, who caused all of our scripture to be written um, for our learning. That's um, I like to think about God as, as uh, an author. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Would you say the logos walked among us, the word of God walked, walked among us. And while we're on the, on the train of ones that we like, 
uh, for me, it's all the way back on page 229, proper three. Grant, O Lord, that the course of this world may be peaceably governed by your providence and that your church may joyfully serve you in confidence and serenity through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then, of course, it ends with the doxology, but peaceably governed by your providence and that your church may joyfully serve you in confidence and serenity. In this particular time and place in 2020, I think that's something we all could re- bask in for a moment as church folk to kind of plant ourselves where we maybe we should be. The other interesting thing is both of us read from the section of colics that are the contemporary colics or in the contemporary language, mm-hmm. which we'll get into more into right one and right two a little bit later, but just a quick, uh, quick little skinny on that. The contemporary colics are written in a version of English that we generally speak today. And uh, the traditional colics are more what, not full old English, but an older version of English, not a way we normally talk, but it's, uh, it, it mirrors our right one. So traditional mirrors right one, contemporary mirrors right two language, which both rights exist in this prayer book. Now, with taking kind of segueing from what you were talking about, Brent, and going back to the, to the back of the prayer book, to the very end, to the prayers and thanksgiving section, a section that, unfortunately, I'm not sure that we all, including us clergy, spend as much time in as we should. You'll notice prayers that are delineated and separated for different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll also notice a section on Thanksgivings, which we'll get to in a minute, and they're not exactly the same. Um, the prayers are going to look and feel similar to the colics and what we talked about. Uh, you'll see that address where you have something, not always, but almost always, written about God, and then the petitions that follow. And those petitions oftentimes match the title of the prayer. So, for example, the very first section of prayers on page 814 is prayers for the world. Um, and then it goes through a series of prayers for the world. And each petition under those titles is going to uh, touch on whatever that is that we're focusing on. It could be the human family. could be for joy in God's creation. could be for peace. And it goes on and on from there. And then they build on themselves. And you have prayers for the church, the world. Uh, you have prayers for our national life, prayers for personal things that are going on. I mean, there is a ton of prayers uh, in this section. And I think this is important because sometimes, and this is kind of what we touched on in the Psalms, sometimes we're looking for the words because of something that we're, we're interested in or something we want to pray about, but we can't seem to find the words. This is a great section of their prayer book to jump into when you're looking for the words or potentially yeah. for a prayer um, to, to get you started in that, in that moment of that you feel called to prayer and you're looking for those, those words, you'll find them here. I mean, there is a prayer jokingly, I'm kind of joking, but this is not totally false. There's almost a prayer for everything in this section. There is a ton of prayers in this section. You know, to go back just another uh, step to what you what you said earlier, I think it's so interesting to look at the the structure organization of of how these prayers are arranged. So, um, in in what is essentially a kind of table of contents for the prayers, it starts out by listing prayers for the world, and then it gets a little bit smaller: prayers for the church, and then it gets a little bit smaller prayers for national life. And then it gets a little bit like, uh, you know, looks at categories of that prayers for the social order, prayers for the natural order. And then we get a little bit more granular to prayers for family, and then ultimately prayers for personal life. 
So I, I just like that as an acknowledgement that, you know, at the end of that, those prayers for family and personal life, they don't stand alone. You know, it's like the family and personal life is in the context of the natural order, which is part of the social order, which is, or I might argue that those are, should be the other way around. Um, but then that we're part of nations, that we're part of a church that is larger than, than a nation, and that those are all part of the world that we live in. It just is kind of neat to see the order of, of our relationships with, um, with the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think it, to your point, and I think we made this point in previous episodes, it kind of plants us where we are, where we probably need to be to some degree. It reminds us we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that, and that we need to acknowledge that, that, that we need to, we need to kind of embrace that reality. That in other words, the world's not my world only. It's not just, the, you know, the sun does not revolve around Justin. And the earth does not revolve around Justin. Although I may feel like it does at times. In actuality, God set this beautiful thing in motion and I am one part of this beautiful thing. And and uh, if we were to walk through our prayer life, and even if every day you just opened the prayer book and you read one out of the first section and then one out of the next section and one out of the next section, there would be power in as you did that, as you exercised that practice, you would start to really prioritize I would say you arguably prioritize the other over yourself. Um, by the time you did that, you'd be focused on God's creation, God's world, and your place in it. Uh, and there, and I think there's a beauty in that, and a and a freedom in that. Um, and the and the fact that they lay out the prayers that way, and and just to tie it together too, if you turn beyond the prayers and go to the thanksgivings, it's just set out the same way. You start with something broad in terms of the general Thanksgiving and a litany of Thanksgiving. And then you'll see similar titles, Thanksgivings for the church, Thanksgivings for national life. Uh, And then you turn the page and you'll see Thanksgivings for social order, Thanksgiving for the natural order, these orders, and then family and personal. Again, that kind of funnel, that, that, that tornado, that funnel from broad to more specific. Um, And I would say that the one thing to hold in your mind when you're looking at Thanksgivings one is a reminder, I guess a couple things. One is a reminder that Thanksgiving, stopping and giving thanks is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of times, and it's okay to ask for things. Don't get me wrong. It is okay to ask for things. And sometimes we often forget just to have moments in giving thanks to God. And these Thanksgivings give us a language to really thank God for specific things. And we can also adapt them uh, depending on what's going on in our, in our lives or in the world around us. But to stop and give thanks which is literally just doing the very thing that I said, uh, giving thanks. You might compare it to if your family has a tradition at Thanksgiving or at some other time throughout the year, if you go around the table and you just stop and, and, and maybe have a practice of saying what you're thankful for in relation to those people gathered around the table. It's very similar to that. You're pausing and you're focusing on God and saying, thank you for blank. Um, Versus just asking for things. Um, you know, one of the good. things that I'm that I'm noticing just in looking at these prayers right now is, you know, and thinking about what what you were talking about earlier. I think these prayers. What I'm noticing right now is just that they they really push you to go beyond yourself. That when we are 
praying these words, we sure like we're getting some comfort, a reminder of comfort from God, you know, no matter what kind of state we're in or, or whatever we're experiencing, whether it's, you know, a a great joy um, or a terrible sorrow um, there's comfort, but then it's also like pushing us beyond ourselves to acknowledge that there is, that there's something more, that there's something else besides us and maybe reminding us that we're connected to each other and to God at times that we might otherwise just be kind of stuck in our own self. Yeah. I'm like, I often need that. In fact, we um, all need that. We all yeah. need that. <laughs> Uh, one of my parishioners um, pointed this out recently um, when she was talking about, um, I think it was for the the prayer for those who live alone. And she was saying that she um, was praying for somebody um, who, who was um, feeling lonely and living alone. And she saw like in here that there, you know, that there's a prayer for, for those who live alone. And when she looked at the prayer, um, what she what she remarked on is that like it gave words to pray something that she wouldn't have thought of on her own and in particular that the prayer encourages um those who are alone basically to find community with others in in christ in fellowship with christ um and that she just mentioned that as a as a helpful reminder that um that sometimes these prayers give us words that push us beyond ourselves that we wouldn't come up with on our own. Yeah. And not that we're not really the kind of the function of prayers. And I would say maybe that's the answer to the great question. If, if some folks are sitting there pondering, well, you've told me this prayer book is just full of prayers. So I have a separate section called prayers when the whole thing is called the book of common prayer. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of the answer to that question, which is, these prayers intentionally get us, uh, encourage us, and and move us um, into some kind of action, and and maybe that's if we think about it, maybe that's part of what prayer is about. Is it is it moves us? It moves us to something, um, uh, and it doesn't have to be. I don't mean into like mission all the time. But I just mean into whatever's next, whatever's. We just needed to give ourselves permission and the prayers do that as you just described. Give us permission to embrace whatever that is that God may be calling us to in our prayer life. Um, and that's, and that, I think that's important. As you said, that's really important that we let that happen and that we hear those words um, and really think about the words that we're saying. Uh, and that's what that section really does is it kind of channels us um, into movement, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a such an interesting um, thing to think about because several several weeks ago we talked about um, prayer as movement and in particular liturgy, um, our common liturgy as a movement that it moves us um, together toward God. That the that the liturgy has that effect um, and that purpose of moving us. And I wonder if we might think about these prayers that were given here as like a little mini liturgy that moves us, um, that they do, it doesn't just sort of describe where we are, but it pushes us to where God would like us to be, um, which I think the, you know, the, 
the theological implication of that is, you know, makes me think of, of what we affirm that God is a God who comes to us to bring us closer to God. Um, but that comes down to us. I mean, you know, to get real theological about it, the incarnation, which is Jesus coming in the flesh to be human, um, is, is, is that very thing of, of God coming to us, um, to, to bring us closer to the goodness and the love and the power that only God can provide. Um, so these prayers in that same way, um, are incarnational. They, they, God comes to meet us, um, but not necessarily so that we stay where we are, but that we are delivered to something better. You, you would break out the incarnation. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. It's, it's, it is appropriate. It is appropriate. Vicar, Vicar of Church of the Incarnation. I was going to say, that seemed really timely um, <laughs> and well played, Bryn. But you're right. I mean, you're right. It's incarnational. And that's what our whole, maybe that's one of the major themes of the prayer book is it is very incarnational as mm-hmm. a whole book. So it's not surprising that these different sections we'll talk about, and hopefully we'll do a good job of pointing it out, are going to be incredibly incarnational. As St. Athanasius says, God became man so man could become God-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, there, and that's important. I mean, that's important. And uh, to plant ourselves in the incarnation of God with us. Um, not God gone from us, not God away from us, but God very much with us and moving with us and, uh, and our prayers connect us to that reality, uh, continually over and over again, that God is moving with us. Yeah. Two, two things that I wanted to say, uh, before we, before I forget, basically, um, one, we were talking about, um, the section in our catechism that talks about prayer and worship. And you were talking about Thanksgiving and the fact that we have these prayers for Thanksgiving. I love what the, the catechism says about Thanksgiving. So the question is, for what do we offer Thanksgiving? And the answer, Thanksgiving is offered to God for all the blessings of this life. Good. We're usually pretty good at, at thanking God for the blessings of this life, especially in as much as we see them as blessings. We also give thanks. Um, to God for our redemption, that certainly is uh, is sort of the pinnacle of the goodness that God has done uh, for us, is our redemption. And then, and finally, for whatever draws us closer to God. And I, I think that's such a, such a big perspective, like such a broad, expansive, generous way of thinking about what can I give thanks for? What is there to give thanks for? And thinking, what is it around me that draws me closer to God? Like, it's not, it's, it's bigger than just thinking about the blessings of this life. I mean, I might think of the blessings of this life as a comfortable bed to sleep in, as a nice car to drive, as a safe home to live in. Those seem like kind of obvious blessings, but what are the things that draw us closer to God? Does my, does my, you know, 
Does my house draw me closer to God? Does my new computer draw me closer to God? Um, what does draw me closer to God? Um, I think those are, that's such a important, um, important thing to think about in terms of giving thanks. So that was the first thing I wanted to say. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning that we've, we've talked about before, but I think again, when we're talking about prayers that are already written, when we're talking about a liturgy that's already structured and has been handed down, you know, for generations, um, certainly as we were talking about the Psalms that have been literally used for thousands of years as ways to praise and sing our, our praise to God. Um, it's, it's easy to, to maybe focus on those and lose sight of the fact that these don't have to be, um, this isn't all that we have. We still can pray in our own words, whatever is on our hearts. We can still offer our worship together with other people um, without using prayers that are already written down for us. Um, we can give thanks in lots and lots of ways without using a, a, a liturgy or a litany, as we have it in here, um, of, of doing that. Like these can be helpful for us and they can direct us um, beyond ourselves and in all the ways that we've talked about already. Um, but they aren't, they don't have to be, it's not exclusive. I guess that's the point that I want to make. The, none of this, these, the prayers, the liturgy, none of this is meant to be exclusive. It maybe gives us um, language. It gives us encouragement. It, it gives us some direction. But ultimately, the words of our heart are always, uh, and we pray, this is right out of the Psalms, you know, may meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Um, we can pray from the heart, too. And I think that's important. And maybe that's a good place for us to kind of stop and just let this marinate with our folks. That here are some tools, but you also have a tool, which is your own heart, your own mind, and your own conversation with God. Uh, and just know that there is this rich tradition that you're a part of um, that is informed not by your ability to recite the prayers in the prayer book, by your own prayers from your own heart and your own mm-hmm. connection with God in community with others when appropriate. And also know that uh, not to sound kind of a cliche or romantic, if you will, but when you're praying, Brent and I are praying. And I think that there's a beauty in that, uh, whether you're reciting a prayer from the prayer book or not, uh, because we all have that capacity to to do that. And these prayers are tools and they help us when we need that extra help or we need that extra focus or we need to move beyond ourselves. Um, so I think that's good. I think I think this is uh, this is good, Bryn. I think I'm I'm now going to go pray. You know, that's what I'm going to go do now. Very good. I'm going to go pray for my lunch, um, <laughs> <laughs> which there's a prayer for that. Just in case you're wondering, there's prayers before and after meals, before worship and all that good stuff. There's, I mean, literally there's prayers for everything. Yeah. Um, sure. Now we're going to shift gears when you join us next time, just slightly. We, we alluded to this a minute ago, but we're going to shift gears and we're going to dive into the, the movements of the church calendar of 
how that works. We, we talked about it on the lectionary uh, episode, and we've talked about it on this prayers uh, episode today. Uh, but we want to really dive into what are the calendar of feasts and the fast days and our devotions and just the church here in general. We talked about the liturgical cycles, the paschal cycle, the incarnational cycle. So we want to dive into that. So next week, we're going to pick that up. So hopefully you'll join us uh, as we start to pivot a little bit and, and move more deeply uh, into the prayer book and the rhythms that the prayer book creates. But we are so thankful that you're listening and just a reminder that you can email us. Um, those emails will be available uh, in the uh, episode notes. Email us with questions. We're happy to talk about them on the Absolutely. air um, and look forward to hearing about how this is helping you in your journey. If you're somebody new uh, to the faith, new to the Episcopal Church, not new to the Episcopal Church, just curious, we want to hear from you. So let us know if you have any questions. You can reach out to us uh, individually or, of course, through the show's website and we'd love to um uh, to connect with you but thank you for for listening and we will see you next week as we pick up the church calendar and uh move through the year